You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine podcast products. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, by Jamie D'Amico, our co-host here on Believe. We are getting you ready. Again, we want to be your official pregame Buffalo Bills kickoff podcast. You can come to us each and every Saturday to get ready for game day. We'll figure out something to do during the bye week because clearly the Bills should steamroll the bye each and every year that they have the bye on their schedule. But we'll come up with some cool topics for for the bye week. But this week it is a Jamie is OK. Let's let's start with this. This just came to me this week. The Bills play the Dolphins in week two. We like to think that the Bills and the Dolphins is a rivalry game. But a lot of that notion of the rivalry matchup stems back from when it was Jim Kelly and Dan Marino going at it in the late 80s and the early 90s. Is Would you say the Bills-Dolphins, is that the biggest rivalry game that the Bills have? Uh, I don't know that the Bills, that we can say the Bills have a rivalry. We can say that the Bills hate the Patriots. Of course they do because the Patriots always beat them. But when Miami beat the Bills 21 straight games and then Buffalo went on to beat the Dolphins in a bunch of big big games, including the playoffs, when he had Brian Cox throwing the double barrel at the fans as he came out of the uh, tunnel in Rich Stadium. I was actually sitting right next to the tunnel at that time. Was he was he directing that middle finger at you by any chance? Um I don't think it was me. It was like 15-year-old me was still, you know, not sure that he was safe from the players on the field. I was, <laughs> I, I'm the biggest wuss I've ever met in my life. And that's not a new thing. I, I've been this way my entire life. So chances are pretty safe that it wasn't directed at you then. But so continue. I, pretty safe. I had to ask, I mean, you were in the stadium and it could, it could have just been a mere coincidence. It, it could have been. And I was sitting. Yeah, it wasn't me. Anyway, I think in order for there to be a rivalry, there has to be bad blood between the teams or the teams have to be playing consistently against each other in important games. Neither the Bills or the Dolphins have played in too many important games over the last, oh, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, the past couple of years, the you know the Bills have made the playoffs to the last three. And obviously they're playing for, for some things, but the Dolphins have not been a threat in that time period. So... Is it a rivalry? I I just don't think that you can comfortably say the Bills have a rivalry outside of the standard teams within the division that you love to beat. I think you have to go back to the 1998 season, the last time the Bills and Dolphins 
both played uh, in the playoffs and made the playoffs together. So that would go to augment your argument about meaningful games, uh, deciding whether it's a rivalry or not. I don't know. I, I, I thought about this just spur of the moment because who is the Bills biggest rival? That might be a fun topic for another another podcast. But the Bills fans like I, we write all this content, squish the fish. It's got a catchy nickname to it. You know, I think there is some animosity for the Dolphins, but again, it's probably more based on your grandparents or your parents' animosity from, yeah, the, the embarrassing 21-game losing streak when Don Shula's Dolphins would run roughshod over the uh, the bumbling Buffalo Bills out there, and then the Bills got the upper hand for quite a bit uh, in the Jim Kelly-led era for the late 80s and early 90s. But both of these teams have mostly been irrelevant for the majority of the last two decades. I don't know. I just wonder if you ask the common average Bills fan, if they think the Dolphins, if it's a rivalry game, I think it's more of a rivalry game than you've got with the Jets. Um, even though the Jets, you know, are a team that is in the same division as us. I feel like the Dolphins have more of a rivalry factor going with Buffalo than the Jets do the Patriots. It's hard to really, you know, we think of it as a rivalry, but they don't, they're like the, the big brother that just keeps, you know, uh, beating up on the little brother time after time. Eventually you get, you know, it's like a nuisance more so than a, a respected rival. But I don't know. I thought that was a kind of cool place to start our little podcast out here. I still, it's from our age. I still think the Bills Dolphins is a rivalry, but it's lacking in the luster for sure uh, that it had during. We're old. We, we, we are every day, Jamie, you know, now you're even older. One day closer to dying. Thanks for depressing me there, John. On a sunny Friday Uh, here. (laughs) Very interesting is when the NFL went to the realignment after expansion to uh, North Carolina and in Jacksonville, it was Ralph Wilson who campaigned really hard to keep the Bills and the Dolphins in the same division, even though it doesn't make geographic sense for that to happen because of the rivalry that the Bills and Dolphins had. Ralph Wilson did not want to lose that. At this point, it almost seems like the Ravens or the Steelers would be a better addition to the AFC East. Not that I want those teams in the AFC East because they're traditionally very good teams and yeah, I'd rather beat up on the Jets and Dolphins than have to face them twice a season. Yeah, no, for sure. I'd much rather have a weaker opponent. Although the Dolphins are, you know, the Dolphins are a team uh, quietly, you know, Peter King got a lot of notoriety for picking the Dolphins to win the AFC East this year. I don't see it happening, but they're definitely a much improved unit compared to what they were, you know, last year. And and, and uh, granted, the Bills and Dolphins come in with opposite records on Sunday. The Bills are 1-0 with their demolishing of the Jets 27 to 17 in a game that could have been much worse, you know, score wise. And the Patriots beat the Dolphins 21 to 11, same margin of victory as Buffalo. But these teams are squaring off Sunday in South Beach at Hard Rock Stadium. Fans will be allowed uh, in the stands. I'm sure there's some Bills Mafia members that are making the trip uh, down south to go watch their team play. How do you feel, Jamie, heading into this game? Give me, I know um, you guys did a recap and a lot of podcasts on Buffalo Rumblings have done recaps on week one, but what's your quick summation of how you feel after the opening win for the Bills? I feel really good after that win. I, I feel like Brian Dable schemed up a tremendous offense to face the Jets. The defense was smothering and uh, Josh Allen showed some maturity. Uh, They need to kick up the running game, but we knew that 
We knew that the Jets were going to be tough against the run, uh, but the offensive line does need to do a little bit better there. I liked seeing some of the new players on the field. Uh, Mario Addison was a contributor. Um, uh, Stefan Diggs led the team in receptions. I, I think that we're seeing we're seeing the team that Brandon Bean had always envisioned. Th- this was what they had been building toward over the last three years. Yeah, I thought that it was really exciting, Jamie, to watch the offense be explosive. You know, there were so many and and Josh left a lot of points on the field and and we're not going to dwell too yeah. much on I mean the fumbles, he's got to get better with ball security on the design runs. He badly overthrew Dawson Knox on what should have been a touchdown in the corner of the end zone. He had the John Brown throw that everybody was going nuts over where he was wide open in the back of the end zone and completely airmailed him on that touchdown throw. But, you know, let's let's take a second and just to take stock in the fact that Josh Allen surpassed that meaningless stat of 300 yards in a passing game. This offense looked like a pro-style offense for the first time in, in quite some time. You know, seeing the Bills chuck it up and down the field. Uh, you know, Josh made a really big call on the audible for the John Brown touchdown where he saw the coverage. He saw some blitzers coming. He called an audible hit John Brown on the real quick pass out of the backfield and he scooted into the end zone for a touchdown. I liked what I saw. I liked the way the pieces worked. I was a, a little bit confused by, you know, Brian Dable called some pretty creative uh, plays, but he was so pass heavy in the first half that you only had three runs a piece for Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, but who can blame him when you've got so many offensive weapons for Josh to throw to? Also, it worked because the Jets have a terrible secondary. Well, their cornerbacks are terrible. Marcus May was was fantastic. He was all over the field making plays. And if anybody was going to ruin the day for the Buffalo Bills, it was going to be Marcus May, who to me looked like the best safety in the NFL. But uh, outside of him, you know, the, the place that you want to attack the Miami Dolphins, it's the secondary. It's the cornerbacks. You want to spread them out. You want to get down to their second, third, fourth corner and you know, get them on the field, scheme some guys open. I, I think that was that was specific to the Jets. I think it's going to be different against different opponents. Well, and, and, and clearly, Jamie, we're going to segue eventually into our week two preview of the Miami Dolphins. But the last thing I want to say about the Jets is you're right. The Bills took advantage of an opponent that they should have dominated. We didn't expect them to have a lot of success on the ground because the Jets had the second ranked run defense last year, and they really proved to be a stout challenge for both Moss and Singletary. I'm not amongst those people panicking at all about the lack of productivity from the ground game. I think that the season's long. It was the first time seeing how Cody Ford adjusted to being the right guard, having Daryl Williams in at the right tackle. I think the offensive line gets a passing grade for how they performed uh, dutifully in week one. I thought Josh really showed a lot of progress in his progressions as a passer. I think that the offense is loaded and the defense did a great job of clamping down on a mediocre team. And until that garbage time touchdown really thoroughly whooped up and dominated on the jets, the one area, Jamie, I am concerned with making the segue to Sunday's week two contest is an area that you and I talked about extensively during the off season. We said many times on this podcast, Worst case scenario outside of an injury to Josh Allen 
if anything happens to Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, the Bills are mediocre at best with their linebacker depth. The news came out earlier on today. We'll give our listeners an update real time that the Buffalo Bills are going to be without both Edmonds and Milano for the matchup with Miami coming up on Sunday. And that means you're going to have a very thin linebacking core. You know, you're going to have AJ Klein, Tyler Matikiewicz, uh, Tyrell Dodson, you know, even Delshawn Phillips hasn't practiced this week due to a quad injury. So the Bills might be missing three of their top five linebackers when they go to South Beach on Sunday. That is scary. It's absolutely devastating because Matikiewicz is not meant to be on the field playing defense. He's a special teamer only. The guy can move. He's undersized to play linebacker. He does not have the instincts to play the position. He was signed only to cover kicks and to block uh, on returns. So, yeah, I think if I'm looking for a solution, I think you're going to see a lot of defensive backs, a lot of Buffalo nickel, which is the big nickel. You're going to see Saran Neal playing some linebacker. You're going to see Dean Marlowe playing some linebacker. You're going to see a lot of dime coverage because the Dolphins are – the Dolphins are licking their chops right now. They're going to try to run the ball. Jordan Howard absolutely mowed the Buffalo defense down last year when he was with Philadelphia. Buffalo, this is going to be tough. It, it is devastating to lose those two linebackers. And you're right. We said it all offseason. If the Bills are going to be without those guys, it's going to be a problem because nobody's ready to step up. And boy, AJ Klein. He's not good dropping into coverage. This is going to be a, a test, a real challenge to uh, to Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott to see what they can do to overcome this. And you're right. The versatility is going to come into play when it comes to, you know, Jerry Hughes is not going to line up as a linebacker, but he can easily handle dropping back in coverage off of the defensive line position instead of going after and bum rushing Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback, I think it's going to be on Leslie Frazier, like you said, to get creative with the play calling, to get creative with his personnel and see what they're going to do to try to confuse Fitzpatrick, who, by the way, is in his 16th year in the NFL, his eighth different team out there. He had moments where he was glorious Fitzmagic last week against the Patriots, but he had far too many where it was, as you've said before, Fitz tragic throwing interceptions and killing the drives. I don't know. I, I, I'm concerned about the game on Sunday, especially with the linebackers being so depleted. And Miami is a team on the rise. Um, whether you yes. whether you want to admit it or not, you know they've been so bad for so long. But what this franchise is doing, they're really addressing some of their weaknesses. They have a very underrated playmaking tight end in Mike Jacecki. He is going to be a nightmare matchup for the Bills, especially without Edmonds and Milano. If you think that A.J. Klein and Tyler Matikiewicz are bad when they're the third and fourth linebackers, what the heck are they going to do when they're the starters who are out there trying to prevent Jordan Howard from running wild or Jacecki from catching passes and roaming free down the seam? It just seems like it's a recipe for a disaster. You can absolutely bet that the Dolphins are going to uh, attack the shallow middle of the field and try to get try to get those guys out into coverage. Um, you know, if if you've got AJ Klein trying to run with a running back or a linebacker, that's a good matchup for them. So you're going to see, I mean, this is Chan Gailey's bread and butter. 
quick, short passes. As the Dolphins' offensive coordinator, they were, well, they were bad last year. Uh, you know, they ranked 25th in points and 27th in yards in 2019. But you know what? There are four new starters on defense, including two on the offensive line, uh, which are rookies, and Devontae Parker. He, while he may not play this week due to a bad hamstring, he was good last year against the Bills. He had seven receptions for 135 yards in their second meeting. Now, sure, this is the kind of guy who they're going to they're going to try to get him in the middle of the field. I think you're probably going to see the Bills playing a lot of zone so that the linebackers don't have to spend too much time matched up one-on-one with the players who we mentioned earlier. But geez, you know, I'm glad that the Bills offense looked pretty good this last week because this might be the kind of game where you have to take the over. Yeah, I would say um, if you're if you are the, the the gambling variety, taking the over is a good bet to go. I'm not sure what the total is for Sunday's matchup, but despite only scoring 11 points against the Patriots, I think the Dolphins team is poised for a pretty big explosion of points on Sunday. The Bills can put up points in bunches as well. And we've all seen Ryan Fitzpatrick win his fair share of shootouts. Now it all depends on the health again of Devonte Parker. If he's able to bounce back from the hamstring injury, I believe I'm looking at the injury report here that he was limited in practice on Thursday with that hamstring. Um, they got a receiver, Preston Williams, who was battling a knee. He was a full participant, but really Devonte Parker is a guy you've got to be concerned with. If you're Leslie Frazier, we know that Trey white should be able to take away Devontae Parker, that should be a pretty fun matchup to watch. Uh, those two kind of going at it. Depends on what Buffalo does, though, with the lack of linebackers to cover up the weaknesses of not having Milano and Edmonds. But what do you think, Jamie, when it comes to, for me, I want to see the Bills. I thought the Bills were going to get more pressure on Sam Darnold than they did. They got pressure, but they only got three sacks, I believe, on Darnold. I feel like the Bills have to find some way to, again, generate that pass rush up front and really make Ryan Fitzpatrick uncomfortable because if they get to him quickly, you know, Fitzy is a wily veteran, but if he has to deal with the pressure, that's when he tends to make most of his Fitz tragic interceptions. And if the Bills can get after him, I think they could force a bunch of turnovers on Sunday. A couple of fun facts about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Did you know he went to Harvard? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop the presses. This is the first time hearing of this. I I thought it might be. Another fun fact about Fitz. Did you know he wears his wedding band on the field? Shut the front door. Right. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> you you, you want to play a fun Bills drinking game whenever Fitzy's on TV. Say you're going to take a drink or a shot every single time they mention one of those two fun facts. It's almost like Chris Hogan. Did you know he played lacrosse? I mean, at some point, get some more facts out there for our viewers. We've heard those ones time and time again. <laughs> Maybe they're saying it for the uh for the opposing fans. I don't know. Anyway, Fitz he plays well in the Chan Gailey offense. And you're I don't think you're going to be able to get to him because everything is going to be coming out of his hand in three step drops. Maybe some five step drops, but everything's gonna come out of his hand in three steps. I think what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to blitz him straight up the middle to try to clog his passing lanes and the defensive line. They've got to get their hands up in the air and bat down some balls. Um, I don't think you're going to see any more sacks this week than you did last week. And now 
I do disagree with you in the sense that while the Bills didn't have too many sacks last week, only three of them, I felt like they collapsed the pocket and made Sam Darnold uncomfortable all day. You know, he he had people in his face, even though they weren't necessarily hitting him. I thought the I thought the line did a decent job, especially up the middle, uh, Quentin Jefferson and um, Ed Oliver, who can frequently be seen in Buffalo on his horse. That guy is an instant Buffalo hero, Ed Oliver, with the way that he has embraced the city. And you're right, Jamie. I think that if Buffalo, you know, this game scares me, though. It scares me more than it did after the Jets game. Now that we know that Edmonds and Milano are going to be out, the impetus is really going to be on the offense to score quite a bit of points. I could see this being a thing where it's like a 35-31, a 30-27 kind of shootout. The one thing I want to bring to the table, Jamie, is we've talked a lot about injuries and how lucky the bills were last year. And we're seeing that kind of reverse itself this year so far with the news about the linebackers being out another very underrated uh, fact, the Miami dolphins, despite the fact that they don't sell out a lot of their home games have an underrated home field advantage with the heat, humidity and mugginess of playing down in South beach. How much do you think that's going to affect the Bills on Sunday because this is only the second game that they've played all year. The weather has not been extremely muggy or hot uh, like it normally has during a lot of our summers. This this could be a scenario where the Dolphins are used to it and the Bills might take a little bit of time to adjust to it. What do you think? That is is an advantage. And oftentimes you see visiting teams in the southern states, especially early in the year, you have guys coming off the field because of cramping, they end up having to go to the locker room, taking IVs. It could very well be a factor. I, I hope that the training staff has the bills, the players on the bills, getting their, you know, making sure that they stay well hydrated leading up to the game. I hope that it's not a factor. I once attended a football game at the Horseshoe at Ohio State, and it was 104 degrees at kickoff in the stadium. It was absolutely brutal, and the players were fine, but the marching band, they were dropping like flies. Nobody ever thinks of the trombonists when it comes to football health and and safety and well-being during those hot days. (laughs) We kid, we kid here, of course, but it's it's, it's just a a factor that I wanted to consider because, again, you you never know how the team's going to come out and adjust to it, but I think on paper, Jamie, the Bills have the advantage offensively, especially with the news. The Dolphins are a bit banged up in their secondary. Xavier Howard and Brian Jones uh, are both banged up uh, with their injuries. I think Xavier's battling a sore knee and Byron Jones has an Achilles problem. So that should be a thing where John Brown has excelled against the Dolphins in his career. I think he should have a huge game on Sunday along with Stefan Diggs. I'm not really quite sure the Dolphins have anybody that can you know, match up and, and, and hold a, an eye on Diggs and keep him in check. Uh, he ran rough shot over the Jets for eight catches and 86 yards, not really seeing the home run threat that we expected. This could be the week in week two where we see Josh continue to put the deep ball into play. I believe he was two of three uh, on the deep ball versus the Jets in week one. I'd like to see the uh, Bills and Josh Allen really air some things out. I wonder, though, Jamie, with the fact that the Patriots uh, played the Dolphins last week and Cam Newton rushed, I think, 15 times for 75 yards, and Josh Allen has notoriously shredded the Dolphins with the ground game. I think he's averaging 80 yards on the ground in his four career starts versus the Dolphins, which is ridiculous 
you know, it's amazing. I mean, seriously, he he's averaging 80 yards in four matchups. There's running backs who don't get to that figure and they're toting the ball 15, 20 times a game. Um, what do you expect to see from Josh Allen and Brian Dable when it comes to design runs? And do you think that the Dolphins will have adjusted from Cam Newton shredding them in week one? First question. Uh, well, I have a question for you. Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, are they going to play on Sunday? I th- see. Here's the thing. I, I, I'm reading an article on the official Dolphins website that was saying, now granted, they're probably a little bit biased, but they were saying that Howard and Jones were limited participants in practice but they're expected uh, to give it a go on Sunday. But I think they're vulnerable and they're wounded. If you're talking about having an Achilles injury and a banged up knee with the speed and strength of these Bills wide receivers, I could see them going to town on those banged up cornerbacks and really having a, having a field day with the aerial attack. I, I agree with you. I think what the Bills have to do is test those two guys early because Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, they are excellent corners. In fact, that might be one of the best CB tandems in the league. I I really like Xavier Howard. I think he's an excellent player. Um, if they are a hundred percent, which it sounds like they're not going to be, in that case, what I want to see the Bills do is bring the passing game a little bit closer to Josh Allen. I want to see Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, and Devin Singletary out in routes to take those excellent corners down the field and work on the linebackers and the safeties. If they're wounded, oh, now I want to see the mid-range passes. That's that's what I want to see happen if those guys are limping in a little bit. And of course, that doesn't work unless you establish the run. So Singletary, Moss, the offensive line, they got to do better than they did this past week. Now, I'm reading uh, an All-22 review of the Jets game, and they're saying that the right side of the line played very well. Great. I want more of that. But I also want to see some better run blocking from Quentin Spain and Mitch Morse. I, I think the Bills have got to go over 100 yards rushing between the running backs this week. If they do that, it's going to open up the play action, and I think you'll see an even better version of Josh Allen than you did last week. That's a key point there, Jamie. The play action and the run game success. I believe last week the Bills employed some trickery when it came to their offensive play calling. I think they had pre-snap motion on something like 27% of their snaps. I expect to see more of that uh, coming into play on Sunday. Devin Singletary and and Zach Moss need to have more than six carries in the opening half. The Patriots, again, shredded the Dolphins on the ground game in week one. It's only one game, but the Dolphins ranked dead last in rush defense entering week two, and they're number one in pass defense. Granted, the Patriots only threw the ball 19 times in a game that they pretty much had in control from the opening minutes. But like, I think the Bills, you're right. They need to go ground and pound. I want I do want to see them test Howard and I want to see him test Jones outside in the secondary, but these guys, the running backs, you get in a rhythm, the more you carry the ball. And I feel like Brian Dable did not give his running backs a chance to really get in a rhythm offensively in the first half. And then by the time that they did feed them the rock in the second half, the jets have a good run defense. They were expecting them to run to salt away the victory. So I do want to see what Dable comes out with for the first drive especially how much does he give a chance for the backs 
to get on track. If Buffalo can get 75 rushing yards for Singletary and 50 for Moss, I'd be really happy with some sort of equivalent between those two. That'll mean the Bills will be well on their way to victory, which brings up another good point, Jamie, I want to get to. We talk about the Bills and how they need to run the ball and what it's going to be like with the front seven. The Dolphins have a decent front seven, again, when it comes to their pass defense. I think they can get after guys. I think that there's you know, Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson, a familiar face from last year, will will be some somewhat of a challenge for the reworked offensive line to keep uh, Josh Allen clean. I, sh- I think it should be a pretty fun matchup to watch the Dolphins pass rushers against the Bills offensive line. But again, the Bills pass catchers have a major advantage when – facing the injuries that are dealing to the Dolphins right here. So I, I kind of want to see Josh Allen do more of what he did on that touchdown pass to John Brown, where if the play is called and he senses that there is a moment to oper- to, to strike and to have a, a big play uh, audible, call out of it and take advantage. That to me, if we can see Josh be smarter, um, not only with ball security, but with his pre-snap recognition, that's going to lead to a lot of good things happening on Sunday too. Three years of playing in the same offense is definitely an advantage to Josh Allen. You you can tell that he's more comfortable than he's ever been. And really, it takes a while for for players to really understand an entire offensive system. And I think that that is going to be part of Josh Allen's evolution this year. And that evolution continues on Sunday. If, if Josh can take that step forward, Jamie, we all know that the Bills have a lot of expectations on them for this season. It would be great to get off to a 2-0 start in the AFC East by beating both the Jets and the Dolphins in back-to-back weeks. Fitzy knows Buffalo's tendencies forwards and backwards. I still think Buffalo can get the upper hand um, on Fitzy with the pass rush going up the middle, bull rushing, making him uncomfortable. The linebackers scare me. We've talked about that at length. I think that's a really er- a big area of vulnerability for the Bills on Sunday. Is there an area, Jamie, that we're not talking about that you want to get to? Because I kind of feel like the run game, if the Bills can shut down Jordan Howard, I think I like the Bills' chances and make Fitzy one-dimensional. But is there something that we're not talking about, the next factor that you want to get to when it comes to our preview? Yes, special teams. I thought the return game was outstanding, and Andre Roberts in week one looked like he was a step away from breaking one. On every punt return he had, he averaged 13 yards per return, including one that was 23 yards. And I think that the Bills have really pulled it together in that regard. Now, there's a negative side of the special teams, which is, is Tyler Bass going to make it through this season as the Bills kicker? The way he performed in week one, that's up in the air. Listen, I, I will agree. I thought that Tyler Bass had a a, a nervous uh, debut. I do think it was a, a horrible call. His first field goal never should have been as close as it was, but upon review, it looked like that kick stayed inside of the uprights if you because the thing with the kicks and the uprights you project them up infinitely not just where the goal post actually ends and if you watch the review it looked like Tyler Bass did make that kick but again he never should be coming that close on some of these 30 plus yard chip shots um I don't know I that was where a moment where I really missed Steven Hauschka but then you looked at the touchbacks and how powerful that leg was and the Bills definitely enjoyed 
a major advantage with Andre Roberts. Jamie, some of those punt returns, there was one he fielded. He could have let the ball bounce. I believe it was at the nine or the 10 yard line. Yes. And instead he picked it up and made a nice 20 some odd yard return. I think it might've been 22 or 23 yards to get out and set the bills up for a shorter drive where they went 68 yards for a touchdown. That game changing field position swing is huge. And if the bills can dominate the field position on the special teams game on Sunday, it's going to be a big win. I think for Buffalo, I have one more X factor, which is roster turnover. Buffalo holds a huge advantage in that they have had less roster turnover than most teams in the NFL, and especially fewer than the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have four new starters on the offensive line, two of which are rookies. They have six new starters on defense. With this truncated preseason, they are probably still gelling and figuring each other out. This is a good time of the season to be playing a team like that. I think you're going to see a very different Dolphins team a month from now than we're going to see this Sunday. Jamie, that's a really good point there when it comes to the continuity and establishing a rhythm. I honestly could make an argument that these Dolphins and the Sean McDermott builds of 2017 are not that different in their makeup and what they want to do offensively and defensively. I think the Dolphins have a bright future, and that's not even getting into Tua Tungavailoa and whether he should be seeing snaps as a quarterback, I think the Dolphins are definitely a team to be feared down the road. But I think in week two on Sunday, the Bills have the upper hand in most aspects, again, outside of the banged up linebackers. But you're right, the continuity, having all the players back, going up against an offensive line that's patchwork with four new starters, six of the 11 defensive starters being new, it does take time to gel and get used to playing with each other and the schemes. So I think the Bills have the edge when it comes to continuity for sure, as as do you. What are your thoughts on how this game is going to play out score-wise on Sunday? This is going to be a Buffalo victory, and the Bills are going to put up 33 points this week to the Dolphins' 20, yeah, we'll say 20 even. Whoa, 33 to 20. I like that. A two-touchdown margin of victory. I would love it if the Bills could, could have a, another... No drama uh, victory. We'll take any W the way they come, but I'm with you, Jamie. Before our score predictions segment started, in my head, and I'm not saying this to give you flattery, even though you know I respect the hell out of you, I said Buffalo 34, (laughs) Miami 20. So we're off by one solitary point out there. Whoa. Well, let's see who ends up closer. Closest to the whole win. They're going to score 33 and a half. Yeah, can they do one of those drop kicks on an extra point attempt and get a half a point like the uh, Canadian football style when Doug Flutie used to do that? A rouge, too. Maybe we could add that to the NFL. And hey, quickly, uh, to our listeners out there, this past week was John Boccasino's birthday. Wishing you a happy birthday, buddy. Hey, thanks for that shout out there, man. I really appreciate it. It was, uh, like all of us, an unusual time to be celebrating. Normally we would have been at um, Bill stadium on Sunday, getting ready for the home opener to celebrate in advance of the birthday. But it was nice to hear from all the friends and family around the world. And it's great to be, of course, celebrating with Bill's mafia here on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Jamie, thank you for the shout out for the kind words. And of course, for bringing it as always here on the official 
pregame show on Buffalo Rumblings. We are your official pregame podcast. Uh, for my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, who had some great knowledge to drop on us here today on the podcast, I encourage all of you to get involved with us on social media. Give us your score predictions. Tell us the things you're most excited about and what's concerning you heading into the week two matchup. You can find Jamie on Twitter at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. We welcome your feedback. We welcome your interactions. Please get involved with our podcast. For Jamie, I am John. We'll talk to you guys next week on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.